the Ganesh Puja is taking place at uh, high school and um, Nagara Sang Dhol is playing. Is and there's a dance called? sequence as well. That's what it's called, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, and they're doing a dance sequence and Kian asked like such a true question which was how did they acquire the rights to this music? Yeah, because and you know what, looking back on it now, now that I'm a month older and wiser, the thing is, Kian, that like they used its reigning men in K3G and that was not a stretch it was like yeah good for that you know yeah but in this case I'm like how on earth and I think that that really says a lot good i think i'm stepping into college well oh yeah um, next month i think i'm going to do a karaoke performance uh that the music club puts up every month uh and i didn't sing last time because there were only really talented people singing and i refused to do that also i want to talk about this one experience that i had in bombay when i went to this bar and i sang guru maharaj of nariu and they booed me what Ooh. First of all, I didn't ask for like how you were yet, but I'm glad you gave it. Second of all, did you go home this mm-hmm. last weekend? You said you were going to. I'm going now. Like on Friday, I'm going. Oh, home. I thought you went last weekend. No. I asked you what's on the roster, and you said just lying in your bed. But tell me the truth. What's on the roster is I have to watch Brahmastra. I'm also watching it this weekend. I have to watch Brahmastra Pizza. Okay, yes, I have to watch it. Yeah, I have to watch it. And uh, then I'm literally just gonna hang. I'm not doing anything. Um, please tell me more about this karaoke experience. What the hell? Yeah, some middle-aged man booed me. So now I'm like, wow. He I must be damn bad at his stuff. job, and his job must be all he has. Yeah. Okay, but if your job is being like a host for a bar's karaoke. Oh night, my god, that was his job. Was yes. It was that. It was the host. It was the host. He was like, you wanted to sing that. Ooh. He literally said, "Boo." You know what? He Boo must have been in love with his best friend in college, and she must have been like, "I would never." So yeah, yeah. And maybe um, she got the job he wanted. For sure, for sure. He was like not even on the long list for that. They um, didn't even get his application. No, they saw it. They like spat their garments. Yeah. True. Yeah. The chingam. You say chingam or chilgam? Chilgam. Yeah, good. And yeah. I was like, what? But you would never do that. The other day, Kian, I woke up. I have a singing class on Fridays at 9. And I woke up at 8.56. And I arrived before 10 started. And I bet you were dressed well. I can't remember. I'm sure Just I was. Just yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, no offense, but I've been dressing well. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. I, I've been sending you pictures. <laughs> Anyway, you may have noticed that unfortunately today we are without the third wheel of the Rick. Parcel is in Scotland. And um, not to, if I may be honest with you, we have recorded this full episode before. <laughs> exactly a month ago today. <gasps> Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And um, we asked Parcel to send a quote. Um, and he said at the time, you want to read it? Do you have it? He said, yeah. I am currently in the pub at 2 p.m. writing a screenplay about how much I miss home. Bro, he must have been looking at himself from third person POV and eating it out, right? Yeah. 
yeah yeah um but jokes on you passive because now we're all the way at college so that's not special anymore my update is that i'm eating sweet potato today and enjoying it for the first time in my life and i'm really ashamed to admit it i really wanted not to like it but i can't i'm enjoying the whole under everything things can change you're right you know what and that's exactly what my friend is <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I'm not kidding. That oh, is what it's about. Oh, tell him what you're saying. I don't super want to get into it now, but it's I'm going to be an ensemble film, and I'm going to be working with a lot of people who I love to work with. Um, because I worked with two people who I love and love to work with. I've learned on this, and I was like, I want more of that in my life. I want that to be my personal manifesto. And then later, Kian and I will make many, many more things together, and parties, and parties, and parties. <laughs> Yeah, and many other loved ones of mine with whom I can have a collaborative relationship. You know what I realized recently, actually, is that I can be friends. I think with most anyone, like if I want to, I can be friends with like any kind of person. Like I can have because I have the friendship that I have with them. However, I don't think I can work with anyone. I think I find it way more frustrating to be in a group project than a friend group. You know? Yeah, I get that. I just think yeah. that if. Some people that I was friends with, I was in a class with. I would hate them. I, I don't really agree. Them. No, I don't. Which is agree. why I think I did not branch out as much in school because I had so many classes with so many people, and I knew them in ways that I didn't want to know. You know, that's so right because people who I didn't have classes with, who I just saw in the halls, I was like, "Love you, girl." You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I truly adored being acquaintances with them. Like there's some people who I can like hang out with most days, honestly. And then in a class together, we could be just like making a post on Canva, and I could be like, "What are you doing?" And <laughs> in the time since the pod has dropped, which has now been a little over a month, people have begun to perceive me as a conduit for the information about the life and works of Mindy Kaling, but also many others. Um, my capacity to have a multiplicity of obsessions at a time and get elbows deep into it has. Shocked people, but not those near and dear to me, because that is maybe all that I am at times. Because I, to paraphrase a heartbreaking quote from Drew Barrymore, found community in the club. I found community in the UN Partive because, um, in the time that we used to spend in my house at nine a no ten a.m. but we used to actually it was seven a.m. The ease with which I was able to like mention like a an architectural digest. No, not even architectural. It gets way more niche than that. It's like Mention like an offhanded interview, and you guys would be able to like say the whole interview with me. It was very like I was like I can't believe I get to have this in my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, missing you guys a lot. Like an missing episode you more, but in not Boston. in a way that I feel disconnected, which is good. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think uh in winter break or something last year. We were hanging out once, mm-hmm. and like I was like, "Oh, this is so like our evolved friendship." Um, and I think this is my like favorite evolved friendship. Post, I agree. Right? Um, like you, well, you said two things last winter break. You were like, "I have no plans." No, I don't have any plans either. Like this is, sakata. But also, yeah. you said something where like you wanted to show me a screenshot or a post or something, and you were like, "I was gonna send it to you," but then I was like, "I can't show it to her in person. Isn't that great?" And I was like, "That's so yeah. true," but then it kind of was like, "Oh, after like, like it'll be great when I see her in the summer." But it's like I can mostly really only reach her in the summer. But now I'm not feeling disconnected to you in that way either. And it wasn't even like a 
disconnect and that I was like, yeah. oh, I have a problem with this. It was just like, I was so connected to you when we were in person, you know? Yeah. But very good. Shall we play Love Notes? Yeah. Yeah, we do have to go first. Uh, I have been rummaging through my mind for someone to give a love note to. Not that I don't love people. I have lots of love to give. I can't think of anybody. That's not acceptable. <laughs> you have to give someone a love note. I know. I know See, I the thing is, that. the issue is, I could any given week do my love note for Sonam Kapoor, but I can't do that for every episode. I also want to add that yeah. she's had her baby over a month ago now. Yeah, yeah come back. My- oh, my internet. I'm here. Oh, it's back. She's back. Hello. Hi. Okay, fine. I have a love note. I have yeah. a love note. Yeah. I'm going to give my love note to Moni Roy. <laughs> because she said... She's a villain in Brahmastra, okay? And I think, <laughs> good for her. Good for her. Oh my god, I know what you're talking about. I already know what video you're talking about. I think that she's doing a great job. I don't know about her acting abilities because I have yet to watch the film. But, good for her. Because if I had to play anything in Brahmastra, it would be the villain. <laughs> I would be the Brahmastra um, itself. I would be the pizza. <laughs> Wait, what's um, it, what I is the Brahmastra? I have no idea. Why is the song called Dance Abhut? I've been thinking about that for so long. And I have you yet know, to let's, find one answer. Let's watch the film and then we'll, we'll figure it out. I don't think that watching but the film is going to help me out with that. Okay. That's true. But I think Moni Roy, because Parsel keeps calling her Maoni. <laughs> and he's doing it on purpose. Okay, Mauni. Um, my love note for the week, I think. Didn't you do fun? Didn't you do one for Mona Singh a few weeks ago? I did. When you said Mauni Roy, I thought I it was the same person. No, very different people. No. Um, oh my I god! Oh, I know my love note. Wait, wait, wait! I have to tell you, Mauni Roy is a genius choice by me because she was part of this show where they adopted like her and her boyfriend at the time were parenting a baby for like a week. Like a random couple's baby for a week on national television. I think I saw it. I think I saw that. Yeah. Which so year was this? Maybe 2011. Bro, I am so in. And you know what else? I, did, I have had a moment of clarity and I remember my love. My love note is the Shifali Shah, bro. My love note is the Shifali Shah because Shifali Shah is awesome. Um, I remember briefly before... We had first recorded this episode a month ago. I had watched Darlings and I had really, really enjoyed it. And um, I mean, obviously there was whatever. But um, I think obviously Arya was amazing. But her chemistry with Shafari Shah was like, it was something, but it was so lovely to me. And um, Shafari Shah is great in most of the stuff she does. And I really like the work she chooses. And I really have been appreciating getting a chance to see more of her recently. And um, particularly the parts where they were like going and buying the mutton and things like that a few days later I went to buy fabric with my mom because I wanted to have some clothes made at the tailor and we were at Glands or something and um we went and then we were like whatever and I was like I was feeling connected to my mother more so I was like this is a scene in the movie of my life or you know like mother-daughter thing and it's like a parallel to the Martin in Darling. Um, and I also really like Darling's kind of reminded me of like Waitress and the kind of story it was, except it was more about the mother 
then like a loan for becoming a mother and I, I I mean like the mother daughter relationship and I love that for it like I thought it was way better you know yeah that's my love note I'm happy about it we have been so thematic and so good because that actually brings us to this week's topic of discussion now last week we discussed what I predicted this to be about a month ago was stuff in the realm of acting writing and autonomy but I mean and we did but also we talked about a lot about those stuff and I haven't edited it yet but I have the sense it's gonna have to become a two-parter because it was so long but I liked the things we talked about although a lot of them were like tangential um but yeah I did that with my friend Danica Jackson and this week we are going to talk about a new team within and across Kaylin's world um we initially were like what is the relevance because we really had a desire to discuss it and then the third season of never have i ever came out and then we remembered like what the heart of this show is really about and we were like there's actually so much of this and in the context of feelings work like outside of it um particularly like the mindy project and things like that there's a lot to be discussed about it so for those of you who press play without reading because you like to keep life spicy this week's episode is about yarn Motherhood. Motherhood. This is still on theme, but I feel the need to say that usually, as we established in um, I guess what is the most recent episode to come out, I get my period and then I give it to you. But what's been happening, incidentally, since this podcast has started, is that you get your period and then I get it, which means mine is at least a full week late, and mine is a full week, two weeks early. Okay, then mine isn't, but mine's okay. Wait, but mine's also late, but yours is also early. Yeah. So maybe we're just bad at keeping track. But the thing is, I text you right, so then I go to my WhatsApp and I search for the word period, and I'm able to find the date. Then, but you know what? My talent to like feel when the first drop is gonna hit hasn't diminished because I never seen anything and I never will. Because I right before the first drop of blood is about to hit, I'll go to the toilet and then I hit the water, and I wow. really think that that's my party trick. I always don't want to believe it unless I see it. But I know it. Like I know it's coming. It's the same part of me that's an excellent judge of character. I can feel it coming. <laughs> so who better to discuss motherhood than you and I, Kian? We are both twenty years young, childless, but. We both had a desire to be a teen mom. Yeah. Speak on that. I really like babies. I think I would be fulfilled if I had a baby. But I don't think I should have a baby. Contrarily, contrarily, babies really like me. I really wanted a baby, but I don't think I should have a baby either. Yeah. Um, why do you think so? why I shouldn't have a baby? Mm-hmm. You first. Um, I don't think I should have a baby because I treat people that are close to me, who I'm intimate with, whose lives I um shape and mold, not as not as a master manipulator, but like as a friend, um, as a family member, as a loved one. I treat them as extensions of me. So when people don't like them, yeah, you literally stole my answer. I said this to you earlier in the summer. No, I said I treat people as extensions of me. I can't stand it when people don't like the person oh, I'm dating. Oh, okay, for similar reasons. So if that happens to my kid, yeah. If that happens to my kid, I'm gonna take it more personally. Well, of course, and I think you're allowed to. Like, no one's gonna be like. Yeah, but then I'll just imagine going to imagine going to any parent and articulating it. Like, I don't know. I just don't get up. I don't like them, and being like, 
oh, it's fine. Everybody's different. I'm like, no, I'm just talk to them in the face. Yeah. I hope that you become a celebrity. You get into a brawl one day, and then um, that audio is like leaked. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> Stop hoping these things. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But um, let me think. For me, it's that I think that I can be um, for someone who has like never ever ever been in a relationship, I am like very, I guess, um. Not quick. I think what's the word I'm looking for? I think that I have a tendency sometimes to allow my sense of self to be defined by those around me. And I think, given how important and all-consuming it can be to be a parent to a child, I would um like the initial stages of having to be there for them, tied to them all the time, would be something that would be difficult for me to grow out of. And I think that it would be very easy for me to initially. neglect myself as an individual with maybe individual needs desires aspirations whatever and then um like take it post me when the child no longer needs me as much or i don't know i think and that's not because it's been like modeled or anything it's just like the way that i am with like friendships and stuff right now like if i'm friends with people and they're like you're so funny then i'm like okay i'm funny and then like if i'm around a new group of people all of a sudden i'm like Like I have to like find out to them what I am, and I can't really be those things on my own. And recently, I've been trying to emphasize being more of an individual. So at this point in time, I am neither a teen, and therefore neither am I. That's brilliant. But let's discuss this item. Item. <laughs> <laughs> but let's discuss this theme as it pertains to Mindy Kaling and her work. Ah, uh, like we said earlier, it was something we were itching to discuss, but weren't initially able to. Zoom out of the few examples that we had in mind, but then we watched Never Have I Ever season three. Um, Kian, what did you think of the series? I thought this was the best season yet. You did? I did. I liked season one. <laughs> Actually, I don't remember what happened this season. This season was also good. I think this season was this good season because was like good. this season was about growth. Yes. And the previous few seasons, I guess, were about uh like ongoing issues. This season was about like experiencing growth. Um. Yeah. I I think it's really funny that both of us identified two lesbian arcs, one of which happened to be real, and both of them were like absolutely butchered. Like they were destroyed, not butchered in like a the part of the showrunner's way. I would use that term in real life if these things happened. Um. But we really thought Nalini was gonna have a lesbian arc with that woman, and thank goodness she didn't. Instead, she had. She had a completely different type of women loving women arc that was mother daughter, um, and I think that I loved. Uh, I loved. Spoiler alert! You should have watched it by now. It all comes out in one day, and it's been over a month. Um, Davy is like going home and being like, "I need another year with you." Like, yeah, that was perfect. Um, that and the thing where she's talking to her therapist, and she was like. updating about her life and she was like I think I forgot to be the girl whose dad died you know that was also like a great line and moment because like yeah. I think it distilled a very like real feeling yeah um but we want to say that we are suckers for the mother daughter relationship and we've thought up a trifecta outside of the show um and this was just you know for that day a month ago but I think it still resonates today Gian would you like to say what it is Badru and Shamshu, Lorelai and Rory, and Masaba and Nina Gupta. Absolutely, killer mother daughter shows. 
Um, we also think that this theme is noteworthy because if you look at her career timeline and her personal life alongside it, we have reason to see, as we said before, one of the discernible merits, in my opinion, of her work is its ability to show change and growth over time, both in and through the work. And we believe that the insight that her experiences around motherhood provided were an interesting vantage point through which to look at her work and look at motherhood within her work. So that brings us to a question. How do experiences within motherhood affect the works of Mindy Keeling? And how does that manifest in representations of motherhood within her work? Yeah. Okay, so disclaimer, we just want to make clear that while we're using personal life timeline and like biographical events, we're in no way trying to be like, oh, I'm just portrayed through the work. So this is how she feels about her relationship to her mother. Because why would that be what we were endeavoring to do? If anyone wants to say something about that, it would be her. And if she hasn't, then we don't need to be um, stepping in as her interpreters in any way. This is really just more about using context to further our understanding of things within her work. Um, so, in the Mindy project, this comes up most noteworthily in Mindy after she has her son, Leo, in season four. Yeah, I think season four. So, the context of that is Mindy has this relationship to Danny that's been like primarily a romantic thing. We were trying to find an article to see the views on Mindy and Danny's breakup, and we came across two what we think are insane articles. There was one by Screen Rand, 10 ways Leo ruined the show by Lynn Gibbs, published April 13, 2020. This means this was in the pandemic. This means this was over three years after the show had ended. Over six after the character of Leo had been introduced, I'd say. Or six-ish. Okay, so 10 is, she swapped her clothes for a nursery. Nobody's doubting that Mindy's a strong, independent woman. She just needs reminding from time to time. And then the paragraph goes on. Nine, she no longer romanticized New York. That's not true. Eight, she gave up on San Diego because of her president. Presidency? <laughs> because of her presidency. Let's just let it do that. Yeah, I think it's we have as to. irrelevant as the pregnancy <laughs> point. That's so true. It's also that's literally not what happened. Like, Mindy didn't care too much about the fellowship in San Diego until she realized no one believed in her. Then she was more focused than ever. Mm-hmm. Basically, their point is that Mindy went to San Diego and then she fell in love with her new West Coast city. And then she had plans of staying there and starting her own fertility clinic. But then unexpectedly, she got pregnant and then she got sucked into moving back to New York is what the article says. That is such a crock of shit because actually what happened was somebody else was starting a fertility practice there and they were like, be my partner. And when she realized she's having a child, she probably wanted to be in New York. And more than anything, she realized, she was like, hey, I think I have the ability to do this thing on my own. And she believed in herself and did it where she wanted to do it. She can have enjoyed San Diego without like having been forced into going back to New York. Um there's many more. For instance, a baby changed the dynamic of Mindy and Dan's relationship. She stopped living her passion to do a job she hated. That didn't happen. That's why she and Danny broke up. That's the way that Danny ruined the show. Um, then for one of my favorites, there was no character progression after Leo was born. That's literally false. I would say some of the most meaningful character progression happened after that because having... It was so that thing where it's like, haven't you seen, like, sometimes people talk about how their eating habits changed when they were having a baby because they would, like, not sufficiently nourish themselves as an individual, but then when they were feeding another person, they were so careful about doing that, and they were like, why can't I just do that for myself? And I think she did the same thing for, like, 
what she felt she deserved I think it was very much like parallel to that type of realization and I think that this stupid listicle misses that I have to say my literal favorite one ready number two not every woman on tv needs a child and true not every woman on tv has a child yeah true um and number one it shows that a woman can't have it all i think that this article i want to see what the like writer of it is today but i hope it was that was truly an insane article and i really hope that we've missed the point and not got the joke okay so there's a washington post article titled the mindy project has become a lesson in how to destroy a once character kian would you like to read us some stuff from it sure it says and i quote It was clear that Mindy Lahiri and her workplace nemesis Danny Castellano would one day become a couple. Sure, Danny criticized Mindy's professional and personal life, but over the course of the series, she was the delightful weirdo who slowly pulled him out of his cranky old man shell. Everything Danny claimed to despise about Mindy eventually made him fall in love. He even kept her slightly more grounded. Problems arose when Danny didn't want to get married after Mindy got pregnant, but what I can never say this word. Exacerbated when Mindy had their baby, Danny pressured Mindy to quit working to raise their son Leo, and try to trick her into getting pregnant again. When Mindy said she wasn't ready for another baby and she wanted to focus on work, Danny became downright nasty. He accused her of being selfish for not wanting to stay home and raise kids. "Quote: You choose your job over us having a happy family." End quote. He snapped. It's also like they have the same job. Like if it's that important to him, he can just not do it. In fact, she he has less job than her. She has a second business that she does. That's important. Yeah. Um. They also both work in hotels. <laughs> and like also, this child was fresh off the runway. Like why was he like, okay, get ready, get like, and then also more importantly, I would just like to say that the point that this article so like willfully misses is one that we will cover in a future episode. Which is at the moment tentatively titled "Rom Com to Long Form," and hopefully that's what it will stay titled. Because as you know, we are big believers in the longevity and the extensivity of the rom com framework in Mindy's book, and we think that um, the implications of this come very much from taking the rom com format and jokes and all of those things that typically exist in like an up to one hundred and forty minute narrative arc. Feel like a multi-season, multi-episodic um thing, and then once you introduce a child into that, the thing we said about like what one owes themselves uh, after realizing that they're taking care of someone else, how that changes and everything. It's really nuanced, and it takes more time to explain than this article, which any article that says "gasp!" exclamation mark in parenthetical sarcastically is not one that I intend to take seriously because I think it's one that's made up its mind before it began writing. Um. And okay, if you think about the episode where Danny and Mindy got together, okay, it's one where he's like catfishing her, but he's like, it's it, this is like you've got me, and then um he's like come meet me at the top of the Empire State Building when he find like when she finds him out, and then um she's like no I can't I have plans, and he was like to do what? She's like to not be the stupidest person in the world, but then she goes anyway because he's like I'll wait for her tonight, and then. He doesn't go because he's a donkey. He's like, oh, I didn't think he'd go. Then why say you're gonna wait all night anyway? So then he goes. Okay, he meets her up there, and then they like kiss or whatever, and then um they start talking about like something about having kids or something, and then 
she's like i'm gonna have six daughters or something like that and then he's like um well something about him being the primary breadwinner once they have kids and like like something about him being the primary breadwinner and her being a stay-at-home mom that is like a joke that he's making at the time but for sort of a weird thing to say when they finally get together if that's what he really wants to be like well actually but also like yeah eventually ends up being the truth so good for the mini project having that kind of um and then there's another episode titled when danny met mindy in which um it basically flashes back to the day where ba- mindy and danny met and these flashbacks are intertwined with present day moments so there's a plot line where mindy is advocating for her career and danny is trying to once again persuade mindy as to why having more children is the way to go and by the episode's end Basically, there's a moment where Mindy's thinking about leaving the practice. So they actually hired her as a diversity hire. And Danny has been pretty unwelcoming to her. And she orders an armoire to put in her office. And he's like, okay, uh, let me measure it with measuring tape, blah, blah, blah. If it fits, you have to stay. And then they become, like, acquainted with each other. And then he's like, glad she's staying. And then he tells her. Don't ever let anyone try to stop you from doing what you want. Not even me. So then, back to present day, she takes measuring tape and then she goes to her old apartment, which she's been meaning to sell for a minute. Um, or like, I don't know, I suppose she was renting this apartment, whatever. That doesn't matter. <laughs> but she goes back to the apartment, she goes into her walk-in wardrobe and she, well, first in the apartment that she shares with Danny, she, measure, she measures the crib and then she goes back to her old apartment and she measures it and she's like, the crib will fit. And then, kind of sad, but knowing it's the right thing to do, she realizes that she has to move back in home and stop being Danny's girlfriend, fiance, whatever it was, and start being his co-parent. Um, there's also the character of Mindy's mom in the show, who is Sonu, an actor and singer played by Sakina Jaffi. This character only really is mentioned in like one-liners and episodes with her brother in the first few seasons, but becomes an actual character who we see when Mindy becomes pregnant. And... I think Mindy's ability to interact with the character of her mom in the show helps her too to kind of realize the kind of autonomy that she deserves to have. Um, there's one episode where, um, I think it's season five, episode six, and Mindy had this to say about the process. When the writer started breaking stories for season five, one of the big events we knew we had coming up was Danny's marriage to a woman exquisitely named Sarah Brandt. Played by Greta Gerwig. And um, Mindy Kaling toyed with several approaches, but finally landed on the idea that Mindy Lahiri would just avoid the wedding and in the process go back home and get some context for her relationship with Danny. And basically she accidentally, she's driving. Does she have a car, by the way? I don't know where this car came from. I don't think she owned a car. Why would she own a car? She lives in, like, the financial district. Sorry. But, um, she starts driving. She's like, I'm just going to go on a drive to clear my head. Which is like, when has that ever happened before? But anyway, she starts thinking of the soundtrack to Lehman's. And she gets so into it that she drives all the way back to Massachusetts. To her child at home. And um, she arrives at the house. And she's like completely baffled that her mother is not waiting on her and her brother hand and foot. And her mother's like trying to get a role in a play and stuff. And like the brother... Um, is whatever the opposite of a voice of reason is. He's like, Mom, why do you want to do that? You're supposed to make snacks for us or whatever. And then she's like, wait, stop. Sorry. And um, I don't know. I think that's a good moment of clarity, especially like when she was like earlier in the episode living her life in pursuit of being like, Danny, is this over or whatever? Like she kind of 
has her mother to get her through that moment, which I think is especially noteworthy because Mindy Kaling was the daughter of spoiler alert immigrants. Her father was an architect, and her mother was an OBGYN, and they met at a hospital in Nigeria where they were both working and moved to the United States in 1979. I think her mom was one of her parents was Tamil and one was Bengali, but her mom worked in Bombay for a bit. Shout out Bombay, Miss Ya. And in 2012, her mom tragically passed away due to pancreatic cancer on the same day that Mindy was told that Fox had picked up her show. And um, yeah, this, I think that this, yeah, very much. And I think that, well, the timing of that is like insane. And I think the kind of show that it is, you know, one that's like, um, I just saw Feather Very Light and things like that. I think that this really dominates like how arcs resolve themselves and like what more sentimental moments in the show and stuff are like. And I know that in her second book, she has a chapter where she's talking about, because she had studied like Latin type things and stuff. And she had written um, sort of like a, not even, I don't know what the word for it is, like not a proof of concept even, but it was like, basically she was like, what if I'd become a Latin teacher in a school? And it kind of is like a workplace romance that seems to have, like, it seems to be a predecessor to the Mindy Project in some ways. And um, it's like a list of emails. So, like, through the email chains, she does, like, the plot of the first episode or whatever between, like, Mindy's character and then a grumpy older character. And um, I think that the switch from that into this was very much, like, an homage to her mother. Um, speaking of The Office, let's talk about <laughs> the office editor. So Minnie also at the very beginning of her career, after she wrote Matt and Ben, wrote 26 out of 201 episodes of The Office, which is more than any other writer on this. Um, some of which include Hot Girl, The Dundies, Take Your Daughter to Work Day, The Injury, which is Mindy's favorite episode, Diwali, obviously, Frame <laughs> Toby, Niagara, with many um shout as the day the office died, and Classy Christmas. And what we're trying to say is that we can't really claim to know her experiences or views or relationship to her mother and how that loss has affected her work other than what we've seen. But this wasn't an event in her life. There are many things that make the Mindy Project different from the office. But it's, again, interesting because the Mindy Project ended in 2017 and in the December of 2017, she had her daughter, Catherine. Um, and after that time, she has done many other works some of which include the lesser-known champion. Kian, want to tell us the plot of that show? Absolutely. Vince is a charismatic gym owner who's a also played by... <laughs> he is a charismatic gym owner who's also played by Casey. A.K.A. my Christian boyfriend from season one, the beginning of season two, and sprinkled throughout all the rest of the season because everyone missed him as much as I imagine. Mindy did. And also, my brother's favorite character on the Mindy Project. And in the show, he is is living every bachelor's dream with his brother Matthew in Brooklyn. Uh, he's living a simple life and dates an endless string of women until his high school fling, Priya, drops off their 15-year-old son, Michael, who's played by JJ Tota, who's also on Glee. Yeah, he was like a middle schooler, but he was like, I'm going to go to the high school so I can join the Glee club. And he was like really rich. And he wanted them to perform in his like bar mitzvah or something. I don't remember. It was during like... Season six of these. So, like, I have no obligation to remember any actual details. Mm-hmm. Um, Mindy was in it. She played Priya. She wasn't a super present character. She was kind of like expository. And in my opinion, as a viewer, she was there to be like, I endorse this message. You know what I mean? And she was yeah. playing a mother. She was 
15 years old, which is quite a transition from, sorry, this this show is not well received. In fact, it was um, canceled after one season and Varieties, Sonia Saraya had this to say about it. She said, while offering the show um, restrained praise, with a little adjustment, champions could be fantastic. The exceptionally diverse cast brings a lot to the table and the writing is smart and fresh. But right now, it's a bit too disjointed to be a complete success. And the way I see it, um, vis-a-vis stuff relating to episode two, male gaze and male-dominated spaces, given what I had identified as the integrity of Mindy's humor, um, I think that Mindy's comedic voice in a series that was like very male-dominated in terms of the way that the cast was, because it was like it followed three male characters, even though like different walks of life points of view, maybe different male characters than we're used to, without the actual um, type of presence female presence that I think Mindy's humor thrives under, not necessarily needs it didn't do as well as maybe could have. Um, but we can really compare this show and her like attempts to write about a younger experience with some later and therefore more successful work. Although not much later. Just two years later we got Never Have I Ever. Yan, you wanna tell us what that's about? So our main character, Davy's life, is upturned after the sudden death of her father, leaving her traumatized in a state of debilitating grief. She has to process this trauma all while juggling her academic, social life, and her issues with mother Nalini. Nalini is essentially the figment of Devi's insecurities around her racial and cultural identity. Uh, For instance, in season one episode, I don't know what, but it's like the Ganesh Puja episode, Devi associates being embarrassed about her heritage with being embarrassed by her mother. Nalini, who is more traditional than Devi prefers, is more protective and responsible over her daughter's future now more than ever due to the pressures of single parenting. I agree. I also think that um, it, there's some super interesting things in that episode. For starters, Kamala literally gets Devi ready like she's a reluctant child bride or something. <laughs> she comes into her room mm-hmm. and begins like brushing her hair and dressing her and everything to none other than Dhammaru Dhamma. And then Devi is in a Starbucks. She's waiting in line to get a drink. And white people start yelling at her for looking like Jasmine. And they start calling her Jasmine. And they want a picture for their daughter's social media. Yeah, they're like, stop being mean. Take a picture. And she's like, bro, I just want my Starbucks. But also she's like fasting. And then at the, what's the Ganesh Puja speaking place says, oh, high school. And um, Nagara says, the whole is playing. Is and that there's a dance called? sequence as well. That's what it's called, yes. right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, and they're doing a dance sequence and Kian asked, like, such a true question, which was, how did they acquire the rights to this music? Yeah, because, and you know what, looking back on it now, now that I'm a month older and wiser, the thing is, Kian, that, like, they used It's Raining Men in K3G, and that was not a stretch. It was like, yeah, good for them, you know? Yeah. But in this case, I'm like, how on earth? And I think that that really says a lot. Anyway, so Devi cannot comprehend that this guy who she used to usually hang out with at Ganesh Puja and not a, like, not like a guy, right? And like a, like, oh, my ally at this awful event where we have to be Indian. Um, He came back from Stanford and she's like, he's enjoying and she's not getting it and then he's like I don't know like I went to college and I had these friends and they were like so into their culture and then I realized that like 
like it, its own identity to be an Indian person who hates being Indian. I just think it's a shitty one. And why do I think it's so weird and embarrassing to be Indian? And um, Devi's like, when I go to college, I'm going to be an atheist to eat cheeseburgers with my white boyfriend, which in my opinion fits into our genre on Saturday. Um, and then they play another bango. Yeah, do you want to see what it is? Mandi laga ke rakhna. True. And then... There's a pundit who TBH, I think is just like Casey in pundit form um, mm-hmm. because he's like a, like a cool pundit. And then, um, then they're like, spring was always hard for Devi. And then they're like, will Devi get nipped And then, uh, wait, was that a good impression? Because I didn't mean for it to be, but I that feel like it was really good. Yeah. Maybe you should narrate like the next. I, I agree. However, they filmed season four and apparently it's coming out like right now. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, no, I'm not ready. We can't do two school years in one bite. Like, I would like a little break. I'm sure it's not going to come out right right now. Whatever. Um, you think we should do a special episode of the podcast when it comes out? Baby, we should do a live stream, live react. We should do yeah. like a 12-hour day where we're just watching it. <laughs> oh my God, that would be sweet, actually. Okay. Um, And then, yeah, they're like, we're well, getting defensive. And then um, she's talking about the things that she wants in the play. Okay, so she's like, will they be getting Princeton? And, like, will she get the thing that she wants most, which is her mother being like, I'm so proud of you. Beat. And you can get your septum POS. And the I'm so proud of you, like, it's important. And um, there's this white college counselor who really helps people get into, really helps people get into college, I was going to say. But, like, mm-hmm. he's just a college counselor, you know? He just, like, he's the modern-day equivalent of, like, when people had a BlackBerry and were so busy, but, like, on an iPhone. Um. He kind of wants her to use her trauma to get into Princeton. He's like, there's tons of Indian kids applying to Princeton, blah, 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 blah. You're the girl whose dad died and who had a psychosomatic paralysis from the waist down. You should use that. And obviously, she's not interested in doing that because that's a real and difficult thing that happened to her. And to capitalize on it to feel more wantable would be difficult, which, if you realize, is very much what we were trying to say in episode three about identity politics. Um, and basically what he says is, I don't see how you'd be more interesting than any other Indian kid. And then the way that season one ends is that Kamala is having a meeting with her arranged marriage suitor. And like, she's had a boyfriend, a secret boyfriend the whole season. And um, Nalini, the mother, sees that. And like, Devi's like, oh my God, she's going to freak out and shout at her. And she's just kind of like, I understand. And um, also the way that this, that episode starts actually is Devi comes back in after having snuck out the night before. And um, her uncle, Arvind, who, guys, is Principal Figgins from Glee. So, like, this show is so Greek. But he's Figgins and he's at the fridge, but she thinks it's her dad and she gets kind of scared. And she can't really share this with her mother because the way that they are both grieving is very, like, separate and non-productive to each other's grief. And that loss sets off the tension in the show. And it becomes kind of apparent that they're fat, like, the way that... Devi's parenting was was like her father was her friend and her mother was like the iron fist or whatever and um when Kamala's boyfriend is found out Melanie's like it's fine and then Devi's like that's not fair and like this is the daughter that you preferred this is the daughter that you would have wanted to have and um then Melanie's like that's not fair and then uh, Devi's like no what's not fair is that I lost the only parent who really cared about and then we get a glimpse into these flashbacks of basically the day that her dad died, where uh, Devi lost her sheet music, or I guess she was struggling to find her sheet music the day before her like concert. 
and Nalini is very hard on her about it. And then um, Devi goes up, she finds it, and she comes down. And Nalini says something that Devi overhears, which is like, "You take care of her. I'm done. She is no daughter of mine." And then the dad is like, "We have to leave. I will come home and fix this." Unfortunately, however, it is at that concert where he passes away, and so he does not come home, and therefore this does not really get fixed. And um, their grief does not distance them because of that. Then bring them together. Not to deviate from a very um important point, but we were talking a bit about Indian accents in the Ganesh Puja episode, right? Yeah. And Kian, you want to speak on that a little? They are abhorrent, except this one woman, woman mm. who is Priya from the Big Bang Theory. She's the only one who gets to speak properly. Um, I would like to point out that Kian noticed that almost immediately, and I was like, I believe you, but I don't know. Um, yeah. And I take a lot of pride in that. <laughs> <laughs> you know who has a banging Indian accent though? Begins. He has such a good Indian accent. I would like to take a moment to point out my favorite. There's the episode. Okay, it's the episode with the glyph. And um, Begins calls Sue and Shoe dynamic duo, just like all the women we mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. into his office. And he's like talking about the glyph, and he's talking about something that happened in the other school. And then <laughs> she's like, "What does that have this?" And he's like, "Well." I cannot have these shenanigans at this school. And then Sue repeats, he cannot have these shenanigans at this school. And I was like, I am spent. I have enjoyed that so much. I had to pause, recover, move on to the rest of the episode. And I think one thing that's interesting about that, and it's so unrelated to what we're talking about today, but I think that a lot of times, because these shows are shot in the US, right? So like these actors are Indian American, presumably. And so then the thing is that they will have American accents because they've had American education or they primarily outside of maybe their families speak in American accents, maybe even within their families. And there is a sort of assimilation born mechanism by which there is an Indian accent that exists over here, which I think a lot of Americans think is what an Indian accent is, that works to try and be clear to Americans more so than retain its Indianness in some cases and therefore or even you know sometimes without even realizing that happens and then because of that it's this accent that's somewhere in between Indian and American but often is understood to be what an Indian accent is over here because I don't think I've ever met an Indian Indian person in India that talks like that but I think that I have met like first generation Indians over here who sometimes talk like that and I do think it's like a survival mechanism and assimilation mm. thing I digress so we ask you now speaking of identity politics actually I think that that's fine I think that never have I ever was reception was kind of muddled by identity politics centric receptions and if you consider it a love story the same way that you consider the mother daughter thing a love story in ladyboard you would see something so much more clear about the show and what we like have already said is the heart of what this show is and it's also what sustains through the show. You know, um, like mm-hmm. you mentioned that quote in the Identity Politics episode, which is like, it's unique selling point is not an Indian story. And I was like, I don't think that that is what the show is about. However, that's how it's been. I think honestly, even like received more than marketed, you know? Mm. And if we use this like post-rom-com framework and we ask ourselves, why do we idealize the rom-com? If you think about um, maybe being like, when I go to college, I'm going to be in ATS Street Cheeseburgers with my white boyfriend still that like version of like shaping yourself in this image of how you want to be seen and when Paxton comes to at the end of the episode he runs into her in the school and she's in her like Indian outfit she's so embarrassed but then he's like just nice and she's like oh shit you know what I mean like she's so happy that just because he was like yeah this is nice 
um, there's a Vanity Fair article which um, interviews Purna Jagannathan and um, this is some of what it had to say. Jagannathan took a break from shooting the fourth and final season of Never Have I Ever to talk about where we find her character this year, how Devi's rage resonates with her and how despite the many boys who wander through Devi's life, the show is ultimately a love story between the mother and the daughter. And she also talks a bit about what it is to be a complex immigrant mother and the immigrant mom trope. She says, I really love this project and I'm a massive fan of Mindy Kaling and her work and her point of view. But I had a very candid conversation about how at this stage in my life, I don't want to be a Disney mom. I'm not there. I have too many stories inside me to tell and I feel like so little time to tell them. I'm an immigrant mom myself and I didn't want the Disney version of my experience to be portrayed on film on TV at some point. They really assured me that wasn't what I was signing up for and I took their word for it. Um, I would like to add to this that there's a picture of Puna Jagannathan um, at the season three premiere-ish like, period of time where she's wearing that t-shirt that says Loud by Bastion, making an amazing face. And I love that picture. Um, and this arc, not the Loud by Bastion, the mother-daughter arc, Devi evolves by season three. Eventually, Nalini and Devi begin to grieve as a family. And as we could see in the whole dialogue and everything, Nalini stands up for Devi and her family when they're deemed as bad influences. She also touches upon this idea of a good versus bad Indian family or immigrant family in, I think, the same article. She says, we are an immigrant family and we have gone through some stuff. And suddenly, because of the pain, the grief and the acting out, you can understand the nuances of what a good immigrant family looks like and what a bad immigrant family can look like. Nalini is really looking for intimacy and love and connection, and to find Raya is such a gift. But it turns out that she considers the Vishwakumars a bad immigrant family, a bad immigrant, mm-hmm. because of what they've gone through. That is a very real phenomenon. We explored that and also explored Devi's first South Asian love interest. That Nalini approved of it is a huge breakthrough for my character. I would like to say, though, the advertisement for this season was to, like, finally, an attractive South Asian man, finally a South Asian male character on the mini- There have been two. There have been two. There was literally her dad. Who was so hot. <laughs> and there was, um, who is Kamala's, like, fiancé? Oh, my God. <laughs> and at the end of the season, Devi has an opportunity to go to this fancy boarding, like we said. But on top of all of this, the season resolves with her having this opportunity to go to a great school and Nalini fully supporting her in being able to do that. But ultimately, she decides that life is unpredictable and that she needs more time with her mother now that this time is positive time. And I think that that is like a really, like I did die, you know? After that, and by that I mean after the start of Never Have I Ever. We have Sex Lives of Solid Girls, which is a 2021 show, in which it's basically a cast of four female characters, and they all kind of have a complex relationship with their mothers. Most of all, the character of Whitney. The character of Whitney has um, the most complex, ongoing relationship with her mother, where it's like her dad is kind of absent, and her mother works a lot and is ambitious, so she feels like her mother is both controlling and absent at the same time, but it's more that complication of you know where it's like a dad can like show up and be like hi and they're like wow and then the mother's like there but like when she's there she's there too much and when she's not there she's not there enough but uh, they touch upon that and many other complex mother-daughter relationships including like you know presenting yourself a certain way to have a certain vision for the family versus like having an actual relationship financial situations and even expectations and things like that through the character of Bella and like 
wanting to study comedy when her parents want her to do pre-med. And I think this is Mindy's most triumphant world in creating more space at the table, table that she has built, which is like good enough, but she's adding that for other women. And Danica actually said this on the episode where I had her on, where I was like, what do you think should be next for Mindy? And she was like, I think that, um, like, you know, Idina Menzel was doing like Disney movies after she had her kids. And she was like, I'm not doing it for my kids, but I'm doing it with my kids in mind. And after having children, it's kind of like the work that, people do they become more cognizant of the kind of work that their children are consuming and I think that while like we've established it's never been Mindy's obligation to um extend any of the like opportunities that she has owned or worked for to other people just because she is any of those identity descriptors after having a child specifically a daughter I think that maybe that's also been on her mind you know now we're gonna play a game gonna play a game that's kind of controversial but the only thematic thing we could come up with and um we also want like we feel that we are in an age of transparency on the internet wherein this is if this this is a game that we would play right yeah this is a game we would play yeah yeah and we wanted to say that we don't mean any ill will to anyone in it and we don't like where we've knocked on wood. I'm wearing an evil eye bracelet and we, I'll make a wish for you at 11-11. Any other things you need me to do, we'll throw salt over my shoulder, whatever. This is not going to be true. This is not going to be what happens. We are just like assessing like vibes for lack of a better word. So this game, this game is a rendition of Fuck, Marry, Kill. However, in our variation, and I would like to say that this doesn't necessarily fall under the larger moniker of the C word. This is just a game. So I believe that some people are moms and some people are masses. And definitely there are masses who are moms and moms who are masses. But I think as a person, not chronologically, but like as a person, you are either a mom first or a massy first. And you could disagree with me in that time. But I made that observation this summer and I was quite happy with it. And so um, this game is mom, massy, childless. Okay. So um, let's start simple. Yumi Parthiv. Okay. I would say, I know you want to be a master first. I'm not saying anything. I'm still going to have to give you more. Kian. Kian. Because I just can't say more to myself, Sanya. You can give me that designation. But we have to do consensus. <laughs> okay, fine. Then you are the master, I'm the mom, and Parsim is childless. Because he yeah. hates me. Yeah, he likes them when they turn, like, nine, which is so random. Okay, now you give the second. Um, Alia Bhatt, Deepika, Katrina, Kaif. All of these exes. Oh my god. So, okay, wait, you say first and then I'll, I'll bounce off of what you say. I think since Alia's already having a baby, Alia, child. I'm in. Um, I think Katrina's the very best for her child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish it'd be very best for her child. Yes. Um, uh, Katrina, I think, Masi, okay, the thing is, yeah, mom. yeah, because like Deepika, I think, okay, Katrina has to be a mom if she wants to, however, Deepika has to be a mom before Masi, therefore, yeah, I agree with you, so, uh, Deepika, mom, Katrina, Masi, Alia, childless, which I can't believe you've chosen his three public women, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're so okay, Joe, for that. Should we do movie characters? We can so do movie characters. Um. Oh. Um. No, I can't think of any like movie characters that aren't awful. 
Oh my god, let's do three Bollywood wives. Oh yes. Okay, let's do um Seema, Mahir, Hamza. Oh, I already know oh. my answer. I know my answer. Okay, so you say. I think Mahip, mom, Seema, Masi, Bhavna, child. I would say Bhavna, mom, just because she's actually like, she, like you. Dude, you think Ma- Bhavna loves being a mom more than Mahip? Mahip is more than that on the show. Fine, but Bhavna's not, that's not what this is. Because like all of these people can be a mom and all, you know? Mahip literally introduces herself in the first season. She's like, I am an ob- that. No. Okay, fine. I I I stick to what you're saying. Okay. Now you give one. Let's do one with not Indian people. This okay. for um, this is something that my Marcy posted on her Instagram something about her lunch and it was like Daiki Kari and in the bracket she wrote yogurt curry and I was like who's that for? She was like non Indian <laughs> followers. So for the non Indian followers, give a three. Let's do the only murders cast. Selena Gomez. And the two men. No, because it doesn't work that way. You have to have mom versus Masi. They don't work. It doesn't work for them. <gasps> Wait, I have one. Never mind. Kristen Stewart, Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Is- yeah. Yeah. And someone else from Twilight. Someone else from Twilight. Yeah. Um. Can I give Sheila a lot, no? No! Wow. You have to give women identity. But Taylor is such a massy. Bro, no! Stop it! Stop being passive! Fine. Um, I don't know anybody else from Twilight. That's not true. Rosalie. Okay. I know what I think. What do you think? I think Rosalie. Marcy, mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart, mom. There's only one option and one option left. I don't know. About. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. I think oh. Rosalie, mom, Kristen Stewart, Marcy, Anna Kendrick, childish. After a host of technical issues, um, Kian has WhatsApp called me and I'm going to do a voice note on my phone. She's going to do a voice note on her phone and we're going to do what we can to sync the audio. Right, Kian? Mm-hmm. Um. So we are back, baby, and um, we just want to wrap things up a little. So um, why? Well, why was this theme a preoccupation for us? I think a little bit because um, the Mindy Project has a very specific external view with its bright colors, and um, you know the way the theme song sounds and types of jokes that she makes. I think that um, at face value. It has a perception that often, like, the initial interpretation of it almost negates the depth that I believe it actually has. And a lot of what sustains it still today. Even if you look at the humor, it's not really humor that's, like, doesn't always age well in comparison to other stuff. But I'm really digressing. What I mean to say is I think that this is one of those um, worthwhile themes that exists not only in the Mindy Project, but throughout her works and is an artistic preoccupation of hers. Likewise to the stuff that we said in some ways about male-dominated spaces. Kian, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I think you put it very articulately. Um, also, in terms of the way the show is packaged, I don't think that the show gets its due. At least never have I ever. And there's all this talk 
which I think is the commentary the show is trying to make about um these boys that are in Devi's life and what team you're on. Yeah. And I think you're meant to approach the show in that way just because we're used to digest and consume media uh, that has that preoccupation. Yeah. But then you, the true essence of the show unravels. And I think that that's why season three is my favorite because that's more explicitly, but not in a way that is on the nose, talks about that or comments on that. Yeah, I really agree with you. In fact, not to bring this back to Fleabag, but like this is a love story. Like it's about her being like this friendless person who is grieving the death of her best friend. It's not about her finding romantic love in her life again. It's about her treating herself way better and also her relationship to her sister evolving from we're not friends or sisters to you're the only person I would run through an airport for you know and I think that kind of commentary is very ongoing in female-centered television specifically right now in a way that when they try and do that in film I feel like it like the entire third arc has to like spell that out for you and it was already like dishonorable halfway through the second arc yeah I think that that's interesting uh, I also want to talk about this quote that Mindy said uh, when she was talking about Never Have I Ever, where she said, losing my mom and then wanting to talk about it in a way that was not as sad as the experience of going through it, but being able to be like, if you went through anything like this, you could watch this and feel seen. I think that was the goal, Kaling said, of creating Never Have I Ever, which um, if you look at the terminology and stuff used over there, it's very reminiscent of what a neutral idealistic point of view towards representation would be and so I think it counters again a lot of ideas that are like this is not meaningful representation I think that the representation manages to be meaningful because of its specificity and because she exercises it to choose the kind of stories she wants to tell rather than being like okay now I have the story and the stuff how do I get like only women in the room and only people of color in the room um, which I find to be more meaningful representation. Like, find whoever the right people are to tell the story for you and focus on what story you're actually telling, you know? At least in Mindy's case, which she does. I think that the shifts in her experience in motherhood particularly, like, being a child in motherhood and then having a child after motherhood. I remember, I think, was it the year that she had her child or was it last year? She posted something on Mother's Day being like, um... Like this day used to always be lonely and kind of sad for me, but now I have a child to share that and it's a completely different Mother's Day. But I understand that for a lot of people, it is kind of a lonely day. I don't know. Actually, one text that we kind of neglected to talk about, which thematically is not too far from this, is Late Night. Um, Because in that, um, Emma Thompson's character, who's incidentally named Catherine, which Mindy has said is her favorite name and that's why she named her daughter that, is kind of like a mentor figure to her and that's maternal like in ways you know but like in like a very post-nuclear family like maternal with the obligations like what a mother is supposed to be but like a figure that shapes you and helps you grow and things like that like I think it's a very if we're considering the can women have it all paradigm befitting like platonic ideal and I think that since Mindy has children and she's a mother she should become a mentor and I should become a mentee because I'm not becoming a teen mom so I have a spot blank in my multi-hyphenate right now fab okay so listener if you are not Mindy and if you hated this guess what the power is in your nimble little fingers because all you have to do is copy link share tag Mindy Kaling in the comments dm to Mindy Kaling send her the link of this and any affiliated people until they reach a point of like 
they are missing important emails because of how suffocated they are by this content. And if you want us to stop, this is the way to make us do it. And if you like this podcast, well, guess what? Same checklist applies, babes. Just do all the things we said. And if you can think of more creative ways to get to her, reach out to us and her both. Will I see you next week? I don't know. You know what? We'll see and so shall you. In any occasion, the time we spend apart will be time that I miss you. Kian and listener. And also Parthiv. Shout out Parthiv wherever you are. He's in, he's in the UK somewhere. <laughs> Not wherever you are. <laughs> Bye. Bye.